the big crash. Hard to believe that Black Monday, 30 years ago today. Hard to believe that there are folks out there that weren't alive or in kindergarten, perhaps. Uh, it is true, the market crash of October 19th, 1987, 30 years ago. Richard Dewey is founder of Entropic. Entropic or Entropic? Entropic. Entropic. I want to make sure I had it right. A New York-based macro hedge fund, also a freelance contributor to Bloomberg Markets magazine, and he joins us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. He wrote an oral history of Black Monday, spoke to uh, well-known financial figures and others uh, who take a look back at uh, Black Monday 30 years ago. How did most of the people, first of all, tell me the mission and the kind of people you spoke to. Uh, well, the mission was twofold. Um, one was to tell the story, um, which I thought was more interesting, not just from the equity markets, but a lot of interesting things happened in the fixed income markets, in the option markets, and in the currency markets. So that was part of the mission. And then the second part was to look at the legacy of this day. And I think it's it's kind of interesting. On the one hand, it was this fluke event. Um, there wasn't really any economic news. It wasn't a financial or banking crisis. Uh, so you could just dismiss it as as this weird one day event, but at the same point in time, it had a real impact on regulators. It started people thinking about black swan events. Um, Jim Chanos talks about it really got him focused on his back office and counterparty risks. Jim so, Chanos, of course, the noted short seller. That's right. So um, so I think it was really exploring Black Monday from from these two different angles. Tell me, you mentioned Jim Chanos. Tell me some of the other folks that you spoke with. Um, Paul Tudor Jones, Stanley Druckenmiller, uh, Nassim Taleb, uh, who I think this was really his, his shining moment when, when the Black Swan event happened and well, he was long, a lot of out of the money options and did very well that day. Uh, Michael Lewis was a young guy on the Solomon Brothers trading floor who already had in his mind that he would write Liar's Poker and so was kind of running around like a reporter, um, talking to people and gathering gathering information. All right, so so many things I want to ask you. So let's go to, well, anybody surprising in terms of what they had to say about the day? Not anything. Um, I'm, there were a lot of surprising anecdotes. Um, Such uh, as? Well, um, Eric Rosenfeld has a funny story in there where um, – at noon, he ordered steaks from Delmonico's for the whole trading floor. Uh, he was as, vice president in the U.S. fixed income arbitrage group at Solomon Brothers at the time, right? That's correct. Okay, so that's go ahead. Correct. I'm sorry, so he ordered? So so he's he's in the fixed income group, and there's, there's no crisis there. In fact, there's a rally in fixed income, so everything's sort of fine in his world. But one floor down in the equity department, the world is falling apart. And so to remember the day, he orders steaks from Delmonico's and they're all in the fixed income group thinking, hey, this isn't this isn't such a bad day. Although that group did end up the arbitrage group didn't end up losing losing money uh, over the course of that week and, and had to retool their portfolio. You mentioned Nassim uh, Taleb, and he is somebody who we so identify with Black Swan events, wrote that book. He was a FX options trader at First Boston at the time. Um, what did he have to say? Uh, I think... He had been thinking about these ideas uh, for a long time, but he didn't have an event that proved his thesis. And I think this was a day that he could point to and say, I, I told you guys, uh, it, it's we shouldn't be thinking about a normal distribution. And the Black-Scholes assumptions are kind of are, are faulty in a way. And these things can happen. And more than just happen, they can come out of nowhere. 
And so I think it, it really solidified things he'd been thinking about. I mean, in any market day, right, people lose money, people make money. Um, who among those that you talked to had some smart bets? Or was there anybody? Sure. There, there were a number of people. I think Paul Tudor Jones stands out. He was um, had a lot of data, and it was fascinating. Paul and his um, number two at the time, Peter Borish, who's also in the story. Right. Um, Peter talks about they would be in there on weekends um, with screwdrivers, putting hard drives in the computer, <laughs> and paying interns to type in data by hand into spreadsheets that only had 3,000 rows. And so they had this very extensive database and were looking at market moves back in the 20s and they thought something like this was possible. And so they were they were short um, S&P futures going into Monday. Uh, they did very well there. And then Paul correctly at the end of the day thought that the Fed would step in and rates would go down. And so he um, bought a lot of fixed income futures, which is an interesting point in that most people think he made his money being short equities, but right. in fact, he made more money being long fixed income. Is that wild? So he was just quick. He was very quick. Um, do you forgive me? Because I was looking at everybody you spoke to. Any like um, government officials or Fed officials that you spoke to? No, no. Um, we we uh, were... you really wanted the trading perspective, yeah, the market perspective. Yep. Um, talk to someone about Howard Marks. We talked to him often here at Bloomberg. Um, he was head of the high yield bond department at Trust Company of the West, TCW. And what did he have to say? Uh, I think he was uh, very, very skeptical of portfolio insurance um, from the outset, that it was this idea that somehow you could own more stocks and have the same amount of risk. And so I think a little bit like Taleb, this was a day that reinforced a lot of the ideas that, that he'd been thinking about, that there are no silver bullets. And it's very very difficult to somehow mitigate or hedge away risk in markets. It, it's just transformed, but it's still there. That's an important point, right? Because portfolio insurance had a, had a, certainly a big factor in terms of the market downfall that we saw on Black Friday. I mean, Black Monday. <laughs> that, that, that's right. It did. I think uh, Peter Borsch um, highlights a, a sentiment that a lot of other people um, agreed with that that the the first part of Black Monday was really about uh, portfolio insurance. The second part of Black Monday was really just about outright fear. Well, that, it's funny that you say that because I, one thing that one um, quote from uh, your story, Blair Hall, managing partner of Hall Trading, which was a Chicago-based market-making firm specializing in options, said, the 1987 crash is the only time I've ever seen the market makers scared to death. I mean, there was fear. Nobody had ever seen a move like this. That's right. And, and, Blair, and so quickly. Blair made the point that typically when there's volatility is when market makers come in and they're very happy. That's that's their best times right. is uh, when, when the markets um, go down and volatility goes up. But this was unlike unlike any one of those times. And a lot of the people had problem problems um, getting capital and borrowing. And so they, they had to go out of the markets at that time. Um, what... Was there any part of this that really st stood out for you? Anybody that you spoke to? Just got about 40 seconds. I think really the thing that stood out was um, that that Tuesday and Wednesday were the real days. Uh, Monday was about the market falling. Tuesday was about the market almost falling apart. Uh, the Chicago Merck suspended trading on the S&P 500. Uh, the New York Stock Exchange barely cl uh, almost closed. And, um, and Wednesday, the settlement and clearing system almost broke down. And so people think about Monday, but it was really Tuesday and Wednesday where the real 
I know. And then fast forward to the financial crisis, the more, you know, mortgage meltdown, and you felt like again that the market was going to come undone. But somehow here we still are. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. And everybody should go to Bloomberg.com, read out more uh, on this story, and I'll put it out on Twitter at Carol Massa. Richard, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Richard Dewey, founder of Entropic. It's a New York-based uh, macro hedge fund, freelance contributor to Bloomberg Markets Magazine, and you can check it out, everybody. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Radio.